McShane, Bible Study, Day 144. We're starting in Numbers 33. And this is mostly a review. Well, it, it's a review as far as Moses uh, writing down, here's all the places we camped over the last 40 years. Uh, although a lot of it's new information. It's just not particularly interesting. Um, did you find it interesting? Nope. <laughs> but this this last part is great because it, it, it has a lot of spiritual importance for us if we look at this as a journey for us as individuals and for a people of god and look at the promised land as the kingdom of heaven then and we know that our enemies are spirit spiritual principles uh, sorry principalities uh, powers authorities in the heavenly realms right the demonic kingdom um th- those are our enemies right so what do we want? The kingdom of heaven. That's our promised land. And, and we have these enemies that don't want to let go of these positions of power and authority that are in between God's throne room and earth, right? When we fully take that promised land, there will be the free flow of the glory, power, wisdom, love, truth of God into this world, right? They are blocking that currently because Adam gave Satan the keys. So um, we'll just go ahead and start at 50, verse 50. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their figured stones and destroy all their metal images and demolish all their high places. And you shall take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given the land to you to possess it. You shall inherit the land by lot according to your clans. To a large tribe you shall give a large inheritance. To a small tribe you shall give a small inheritance. Wherever the lot falls for anyone, that shall be his. According to the tribes of your fathers, you shall inherit it. So he says, you're going to go and take the land. He says, I've already given it to you. Mm. You see that? Those are kind of two different things, right? Mm. Well, what it's saying is, this is God's plan and he has done it. But you have to be willing to give yourself to this mission. To submit your life to the Lord. To allow him to transform you. And to do to obey him. Whenever he says go right, you go right. When he says go left, you go left. Right? You have to be willing to face the giants, to overcome. And he says, I will give it to you. It's just pretty wonderful and amazing, right? You remember 38 years ago, their parents said, no way, we can't beat giants. But here's a people that says they, their whole lives, they've been depending on God for everything, right? All right. Well, God says he's going to defeat the giants. He's going to defeat the giants. You know, what do we have to do, God? And so it's, it's a cool picture. And it's, again, it's a picture for us. We don't have in us the ability as natural man to take these high places. But it's God's plan for us to do so. So we give ourselves to God and his plan. We allow ourselves to uh, be transformed and are eager to be transformed in whatever way he so chooses. We give up. We make an offering of all our own plans and all our own ideas and all, all our own rights 
we burn those up as a as an offering, free will offering to the Lord, right? And He tr- will transform. He is transforming us. He will transform us, and He will place us each in our position according to lot, right? I mean, each one has a different position, and we have to be perfectly fine with however He positions us. But in doing this as a people, He will make us a people of God who finally mm. take up the position that he has always wanted mankind to fulfill. Mm -hmm. His people on earth who bring him glory, who allow his glory to be known to all creation so that all creation can know the goodness of God. And next we're on to Psalm 78. Uh, Apparently, well, it's divided up. We're doing verses 1 to 39. And this is a, a maskil, whatever that is, of Asaph, a psalm of Asaph. And it, it, he's kind of reviewing the, the history of the people coming out of Egypt to God providing them. Um, and then them, you know, turning on him and not trusting him and having to, to grow. And then God, God uh, bringing calamities on them for, for not trusting him. And then them repenting and turning back to him. But the two verses that stood out to me were 18 and 19. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. So how often do we test God in our heart? Because we demand things of him as if he doesn't have our, our good in mind. He knows us and he loves us more than we even love ourselves. And he wants the best for us more than we can even comprehend. He, his, his way of knowing the best for us is far higher and better then from a much more wise perspective, then we can know. But do we test him and say, God, I want this now, you know? Um, or do we trust him that his way is better for us? Uh, he, you know, these people were quite often testing God by demanding. They demanded food. Uh, they spoke, 19, they spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? You know, they were out in the middle of the desert. They're like, how can God possibly save us? Uh, I mean, give us food out here. There's no food. Well, God can do anything far more than we can imagine. He created everything. So to think that he can't do anything is foolishness. It's trying to limit God by our limitations, right? And so uh, that's just something for us always to keep in mind. Are we limiting God by what he can and can't do. And then, therefore, are we refusing to trust God or follow God because of the limitations we've created for him? That's a, a danger we want to avoid, right? And next we move on to Isaiah 25. And uh, I, I always like this line for a couple of reasons. Uh, verse 4, for you have been a stronghold to the poor. Well, first let me just review. So for the last few chapters, Isaiah has been giving prophecies of judgment against the surrounding nations. And then he's just introduced that he will lift up a remnant people to be a kingdom for him, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he will lift up his kingdom people. Verse 4, for you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. Uh, for the breath of the ruthless is like a strong, sorry, for the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall. 
I, I like Shelter from the Storm, for one. That's uh, when Bob Dylan came to the Lord. I used to be a big Bob Dylan fan. This Who's is, Bob Dylan? He's one of the greatest uh, singer-songwriters ever. He's the most... More people have sung his songs than any other person. I think the Beatles might be second. But more people have uh, played his songs for themselves, put it on their own records, than any other person. He's wrote amazing songs. And there was a period in his life, he's Jewish, and, and then, but he came to the Lord uh, early on, like, you know, a long time ago. He's an, he's an old man now. He was popular before my time, but I still became a fan of his. And uh, he put out three very Christian albums, and people hated him for it. And he never recanted Christ, but the music he put out after those three albums stopped being so, they stopped being worship albums because they were really worship albums. And he would get up to crowds full of worldly people who loved him because of his music, you know, when it was more worldly. And uh, and they would just boo him and attack him and he would just preach the, <laughs> preach the Lord. Uh, and so he, he went through some... <laughs> some pain, but one of those albums was called Shelter from the Storm, so uh, I like that, but also, I think Mr. Van gave me that album, actually, um, uh, but also, I put out a word, I think you're in your mommy's tummy at this point, it's 11 and a half years ago, okay. and uh, I put out a message called The Coming Storm, uh, 11 and a half years ago, and that storm has begun, and uh, it's it's going to be more vicious, but God is our shelter from the storm, right? Uh, and then, I like really 5 through 8, on this mountain, this shelter, this kingdom, right? On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the people, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. So you see the Lord providing for us, right? Rich food, well-aged wine. Um, and he's taking over the covering. We were just talking about the second heaven, right? The covering, that the veil that's spread over all nations, this inability to know God and his will and the spiritual realities that are going on around us. He's taking away that covering and that veil. He's swallowing death so we can enter into eternal life, right? That, that we can have the fullness of God, that we can be one with God. All his power, love, truth, joy, wisdom, eternity in the here and now. That is his plan for his people. And so when we see all the judgment on the world, it's always aligned with a blessing for his people. It's always a, it's a two-edged sword, right? Or two sides of a coin, however you want to say it. Um, the, it's the coming closer of the Lord is another way to look at it. And who can stand? Mm-hmm. Who can stand when the Lord comes close, when God comes close? Who can stand? Well, Jesus is the only one righteous enough to stand, but he sacrificed himself so we can be covered in his blood mm-hmm. 
so we can stand in his presence as he comes close. You see that? Mm-hmm. Anyone who's not living according to the way of this life uh, will be brutalized. And, you know, for, for, for the ways in which we are still living according to the world, we face difficulty. So that's good because it makes us aware, hey, <laughs> these areas of my life I haven't fully committed to the Lord, right? So it's a, it's a wonderful reality check for all of us. Okay, and so this last chapter is First John 3. It starts out, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. He uses, So the Greek word is a lot more intricate and expressive than English is. And uh, so this is a different word than we see other places. Uh, weos is the Greek word for mature son of God. This is not that word. This word uh, refers to like little children. Okay, uh, so we are children of God, and so we are. Like, that's an amazing love that God would make us his children, right? The reason why the world does not know him, oh, and just to, in the last chapter, he was talking about, remember, children, young men, old men, we should read that. Now, ideally, the way society should be is that those should be true in the natural and in the spiritual, that we should read all these things to understand what is he saying in the spiritual. And so you can be an old man in the natural and a child in the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be, you're not going to be a, you're a mature man in the Lord as a, as a child. Like you're not going to be a mature son of God as a child. It just takes more time than that. But you could be as a young man, a mature son of God, right? So the natural timeline and the spiritual timeline are different, they're, they're, although they're somewhat related because these things do occur in time. We're stuck in time. And so uh, he's talking to a wide variety of people following the Lord. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him, right? Our life is in Christ, and the world does not want Christ, right? Two, beloved, we are God's children now, And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So here, God's plan that we be like Christ, that we be like God, that we all be one together, right? And as he comes, and we should read this not as as he comes in the flesh, that will happen someday, but he has to first come in his people. So as he comes in us, we become like him. So there's many mature sons of God in the world, right? Verse 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So if we choose to live our life according to the way the world lives, we choose not to live according to the Lord, then we're living in lawlessness. Um. Six, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So he says, if we live according to this way, he came to allow us to live according to a different way. Again, this is talking about big sin, which is missing the mark. Living according to our own ways or the ways of the world, instead of dying to the world, dying to our own life and living for him. 
and having him transform us and living in his life, right? So he says, if you keep on living according to this other way, then you don't know God. You stop calling yourself a Christian. It's basically what he's saying. You don't know him. You're not living for him. And so he says, now again, that's it's different from an occasional, uh, the, the occasional thing that could happen as we're growing, um, which is a result of the fact that we are still in the flesh and we have not yet been totally perfected, right? Um, th- this is big sin. This is living our life not unto the Lord. A, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the, sin, the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So he says, if, if there's an area in our life where we're falling short, submit it to the Lord that we be transformed, that we be turned around, right? And if not, you're living according to the devil, and God's going to come to destroy all that. We actually kind of talked about that earlier. So uh, put it on the, on the altar now, right? 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So he's talking about, look, it's all about love. You should love each other just as Christ loved you. He laid his life down for you. So you should equally, you don't have to be put on a cross. That was his job. But you should equally lay your life down for your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we do keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So he's saying, this is a secret to walking in the power and authority of God. Let me back up. 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So he's saying it's important. I was actually just sharing this message yesterday. Um, it's important that we, if we believe Satan has a stronghold in our lives, then we're giving him that stronghold, we're giving mm-hmm. him that power, right? Mm-hmm. We, we must recognize that we have been renewed and remade by the blood of Christ, and he has no authority over us, even if that's not fully actualized in our lives yet. And so we don't give him any power that he has. So we we have to understand in our heart who we are and what we are and what God has made us eternally and what God is making us while we're stuck in time so that our heart does not condemn us. So we can't do that if we're not walking in this way. We have to be walking according to this way wherever we are along the way. It's a long journey. We can be anywhere on the path, Mm -hmm. but we have to recognize that's the path we're on and that's who we are and that's what God is doing, right? Mm -hmm. It takes, who who do we have agreement with? That the enemy is our Lord or that Jesus is our Lord, right? (coughs) 
Gesundheit. So whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So because we live according to his way, whatever we ask of him in his name, Mm -hmm. in his life, he will give to us. It's pretty powerful and amazing, right? Mm -hmm. There's some... There, so he gave a condition before and after mm-hmm. the powerful, wonderful, amazing blessing. We have to be living according to this life, right? And it mm-hmm. takes, it's not just a one-time decision. It's a way of life. But when we live according to this life, he gives us, a, a may, we become a prince of the king of kings, right? Mm-hmm. The son of God with all power and authority. If we're living according to this life, we don't want anything for ourselves. We want what he wants, Mm -hmm. right? So there's all kinds of conditions. It's not, hey, I really want a Ferrari. God, give me a Ferrari. Why didn't I get a Ferrari? Well, (laughs) look, that's living for myself. That's not living in this life, right? So there's all kinds of conditions. But when we understand he wants for us better than anything we can want for ourselves. The life God has for me is far greater than any Ferrari I might want for myself. You see mm-hmm. that? So I have to be willing to die to ever having a Ferrari. Which is kind of sad, right? That'd be cool to have a Ferrari, right? But you know what? What do I need that for? It'd be really cool for a second, you know, like any toy, right? It's really cool at first when you get it and then it's old, right? Same when they're big toys. It's it's all about the flesh. It's not to say we don't enjoy toys, but it is to say, what are we living for in general? And when we come to realize, after we do this more and more and more, we come to realize, Lord, there's nothing better than dying to myself and receiving the blessing of your life. <clears throat> and the last verse says, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. This this is the ultimate thing, that we are one with God. Our life is in him, with him, through him. We are abiding in him. And the very God that created everything abides in us. It's pretty amazing, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm, That's good. Thank you, Lord. All right, that's all I have for today. God bless you. God bless you.